Welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Beat KC podcast. I'm Chiefs Beat writer Brooke Pryor, and today we've got a recap of our Facebook Live from Wednesday afternoon, followed by my interview with 49ers Beat writer Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee. Enjoy! We are here in one of the conference rooms at the Chiefs facility, right next to Arrowhead Stadium. We've got four of us with us today. We've got Sam Millinger on my left. We've got Lynn Worthy on my other side. And then all the way down here, we have Vahe Gregorian. So we're going to chat. We haven't talked to you guys since Sunday night. I hope you didn't miss us too much. Uh, We're going to chat about, well, I think first things first, Patrick Mahomes wins AFC Offensive Player of the Week. There's been two games two AFC Offensive Player of the Week awards, and both of them have gone to Patrick Mahomes. So, pretty impressive. Uh, Sam, what's what's your take on on Young? (laughs) I'm just going to leave it as open-ended as possible. You take this in whatever direction you would like to go. Kid's pretty good. Uh, He was, uh, that was one of those, like, uh, in Pittsburgh, I thought, like, watching it again was even better than watching live. Like, he overthrew... Sammy Watkins uh, would have been like a 40-yard touchdown. They ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive anyway. Overthrew Tyreek Hill on what could have been a 99-yard touchdown. Other than that, like, he was pretty much damn perfect. Um, and, it's and not it was, after dark and we're dropping those words. But. <laughs> it was, um, if you think that's a cuss word, okay, welcome to the beat. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to sanitize it for our viewers. Okay, they might be at work. <laughs> We don't know what their workplace culture is like. Uh, I, I know I wrote about this, but whatever. So, like, I thought that Pittsburgh was a much more telling, steep challenge for Mahomes and the offense than San Diego, <laughs> than Los Angeles Chargers. Um, just a lot of blitzes, a lot of different looks, a lot of, like, up here and not just, like, right here. You know what I mean? And, and he passed that with flying colors. It, it was incredible. And, like, and Vahe, I think you can speak to this, too, right? Like, it's not just we're talking about him. We're talking about the quarterback. But the offensive line was great. The offensive line communicated. They passed off blocks. That's a huge part of this zone, you know, like defending the zone blitz, too. That should that should get some credit as well. But Patrick was obviously incredible. Yeah, but hey, let's talk well, about the offensive line. Th- there's about six things going on here, right, with this. And, and for one thing, let's just say at least this time this is a legitimate AFC Player of the Week thing after, <laughs> after Patrick screwed Tyreek Hill last week. Well. Did I say that? Oh, my gosh. Do you guys see the light outside? We can't say all these words. All right. Um, And that wasn't even Patrick's fault after voters messed over uh, (laughs) Tyreek the week before. Um, But it'd be interesting to see where Patrick would be in a vacuum, right, if he had a a crummy line and not great talent around him and a a mediocre offensive mind. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing exactly the opposite. I mean, everything is in place for this this, including the apprenticeship last year. So um, to your point specifically, Brooke, about the line, I mean, just from everything you can see, the faith that was put in the line to run so many empties, um, the idea of going ahead and throwing you know, 99 yards out of your end zone, although a safety the next play. Um, <laughs> On running, a run. But the key runs, the key runs uh, to seal out the game, you know, that was mm-hmm. a little belief in the line too. And um, one of the things that people have pointed out and talked to, and this is sort of true, there's a little bit of a uh, – long-term continuity thing going on with this line that three, four of these guys have played together for three, four, five years. And, yeah. Uh, I got talking to some guys in the locker room today about what, what that means, and we'll try to put that into a story form here soon. That's a good point. 
It's kind of funny if you think about just um, what was that, the beginning of preseason. Remember, eight plays into preseason with the first offense. The sky was falling. The line wasn't going to protect Mahomes. Remember that? That Was what was that Atlanta? Or, I can't remember which game was that. that was, wasn't that home that, that he got um, hit so many oh, times? Oh, it was Houston. It was, That's yeah, right. it, was, it, was it, was, it was Houston without J.J. Watt and without Clowney. And it was, oh, man, this line's not going to protect him. He's going to be battered. And it means nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It just like the uh, line, what was uh, the thing, and you were most alert to it, I think, Lynn, uh, with uh, the, the line that was being used about um, the variables in Patrick's game. What was it that uh, early on, mistakes he might make? And you, you oh, the, uh, the intestinal fortitude? That yeah, one? Mm-hmm. and you put the INT in intestinal fortitude. <laughs> and we right? have yet to <laughs> see that. We have yet and, to see that in the, in yeah. the actual game now, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that whole thing about testing things out, and you, you want to see these things in preseason and camp and seems like that was a good idea (laughs) (laughs) i mean and now he's on pace for what 80 touchdowns and no interceptions so pace might get disrupted (laughs) it might it might don't put money on 80 is that what you're saying well i don't know you you hold me accountable (laughs) for everything i say (laughs) we'll take we'll take the under on that and by the way we'll still talk offense but We've had like three questions people would like to know about Eric Berry. So let's just go ahead and address the not elephant in the room because we talk about it every day. Uh, Two questions. Is he improving? <laughs> yes. Every day. Yes. Every yes. day, baby. Every is, day. However, 30, 40 days in a row. Playing and or practicing? No. 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 He is not. He, Andy Reid said today, he's not practicing. He's getting better, though. Getting better. And uh, we saw him out on the field today walking around with a hat on. Um, I saw him yesterday at Central Middle School where he was there to make vision boards with the kids, walking around fine. No, I did not ask him if he was going to play on Sunday. No, I did not bribe a kid to ask him if he was going to play on Sunday. Would have been cold. I try to have some kind of morals. Uh, are we talking cold like in the morals or just dignity? Which which well, one are you working on? I've already so. lost one of them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so um, maybe both. But <laughs> when you say cold, do you mean like Tyreek? Cool is what I meant. Okay. I, I didn't, that's, I mean, so that's like the Tyreek phrase of... Cold. Yeah, like the kids. Oh, say. by the way, I know we're all over the map, but let, let us not go too much farther into this without you sharing Tyreek's quote about the cheetah on uh, on the 49ers. But I digress. <laughs> Dueling cheetahs. <laughs> we'll yes. get there. We're gonna we're mapping out the ship. We're giving you a taste of what you'll see soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Eric Berry not not practicing. I don't think he'll play Sunday. A, um, a quick thought. This this uh, I don't think this exactly speaks to it, but one of the jokes we were sort of passing around that actually rings true is. How much better can you get without getting better? Because that has been, it's not been literally every day, day to day, every day, but it has been a good 27, 28 days since that has been the expression of the day about Eric Berry. Well, it's, it's 35 days. It was 35 days on Sunday since he's last practiced or played, I believe. If it's, I might be off a day or two. But yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 you might want to uh, double check me on that. But um, how bad was he 35 days ago? That's the real question. If he just had 35 days of steady improvement. It's you know, and he was that whole walking around thing. I mean, you saw it, but he's like, even I, in training camp and yeah. Joe, he was walking around. You know, I've like, never seen him look once. Yeah. Like yeah, there's there's definitely like something under some, there's something under that shoe that we're not seeing. I guess because yeah. I don't. I have no other answers for it. I mean, you would, if it's a sore, if the heel is as sore as it sounds, why would they have him walking around to practice? Why would they have him at, at events? It is very puzzling. So I, I could say something doesn't add up, right? That's pretty legit. I, I think that's fair. It's weird. 
Because the thing that I thought was really interesting, though, I think it was this time last week talking with Andy Reid, and he said, you know, specifically they're waiting for the Achilles area to settle down. Yeah. So are they just calling it a sore heel, but there's really, like, some Achilles damage done that they don't want to disclose officially? I don't know, but that whole day-to-day thing, we should have been week-to-week a month ago so that maybe <laughs> we wouldn't be asking literally every day and then hearing that he is literally day-to-day. And there's just... Chiefs have not had a star defensive player on a bizarre day-to-day injury that stretches into months in, what, like a year, two years? At least, <laughs> since, yeah. Since Justin it goes all the way back to at least that. <laughs> right. it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird situation, man. It is weird. And look, what, what we don't know... And, and presumably we'll know it as a point of hindsight later is, you know, to what degree it's, it's actual obfuscation for some reason or if it's really just, look, it's, you know, we just, we just can't quite tell. We think he's ready any day now to practice. What, what did you just drop on us there? Actual what? Obs- obs- it was the only word I could throw <laughs> for. The only oh, word. Gosh, it must be I French down here. here. I, I just let that slide. I think it's less um, harsh than deception. Right, but maybe it's the same concept. It seems to me that we've. Um, <laughs> I went to a state school, so. Uh, me too. But what a state! <laughs> yeah. It seems to me they're, they're every sign is they're waiting on him mm-hmm. to say that he's ready, and that's not like some guys. You'd be like, oh, maybe he's soft, you know? Like obviously that's not the case with this guy, right? Um, but that's that's how it seems to me, or else you know this literally day to day thing, and you know it. it because th- that would account for, that would explain Andy talking the way he does about it. Because it seems like Andy's kind of confused. Like, you know, getting better, uh, not going to practice, whatever. Um, <laughs> it sounds like that, like that Andy is a little bit confused as well. And, and that, that would explain that if he's just, if they're basically waiting on Eric to say, I'm ready. Uh, I mean, then, yeah. I think if it was another organization that, you know, the Chiefs seem to be, you know, pretty open with the updates. I mean, they bring a trainer out to tell you what's going on with guys. Like, if we're somewhere else, you maybe think, well, maybe they knew from the jump that it was going to be a while. They just didn't want to tell people and sort of keep people guessing. I don't really get that sense with these guys. I think it's, like you said, they're still they trying know. to figure things out. Yeah. Like, they don't, yeah, they don't know. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it's day-to-day because they're like, we might find out something more tomorrow and that changes it, but right now, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about injuries, I guess yeah. we should go ahead. Someone's asked about uh, Chris Jones and what his situation is, asked if, said, did Reed sound like the Chris Jones injury is something to be concerned about, too early to tell? Well, we didn't think the Eric Berry injury was anything yeah. to worry about, and here we are 35 days later. But And we always have a hard time interpreting this. I think Andy did it with the full, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I sometimes that doesn't mean what, what, what we think it will mean. I, I But I don't feel concerned that he's going to play, but... The tone I, I of voice know. was very much, um, we're just being safe, he'll play. Like yeah. That's, yeah. Nobody yeah. asked him to, to, to clarify, but that's how it seemed. I mean, I'd expect this to be like a limited participant, like by, at least by Friday, right. and, and he'll play. He was really good on Sunday, too. I didn't see any hints Sunday um, with him after the game, or in, 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 certainly he spoke Sunday after the game. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and in the full Chris Jones, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, so presumably he's... All right-ish. Yeah. I'm with you guys. Well, let's begin hop back over to the offensive side and, and kind of get at what you were teasing earlier about Tyreek Hill. Uh, well, let me take that tease to me back to you because you're the one who <laughs> talked to Tyreek yeah. Hill. What, what, what? We're just going to pass the ball back and forth <laughs> on, on Tyreek Hill. 
Um, so this all kind of comes about because 49ers obviously opening uh, or will be the, I don't want to say sacrificial lamb at the season opener, but the way this team's playing, that's kind of what it feels like. But any in any event, they're going to be the team coming in here week three. There is a running back on the team, Matt Breida. His nickname is Breida the Cheetah, which, I mean, great, just rhyming. I love it. Um, so I had the opportunity to talk to Tyreek Hill yesterday and asked him, you know, you're the cheetah. Brita says he's the cheetah. Who's the real cheetah? And Tyreek just kind of paused, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm just going to say this. There's only one cheetah in the league, and he can run a 4-4-8 four, four, or whatever he runs, whatever. but he's not a cheetah, you know? <laughs> And it's just, whew, that has I taken off. I mean, and the best part of that interview, though, was that at the end, I was like, well, are you going to, like, tell Brita that you're the cheetah? Which I just feel ridiculous saying, like, I'm reading a children's book. Uh, but <laughs> I asked him if they were going to have words about it, and he said, no, I don't, I don't talk. I, I, let, my, I let my play do the talking. I, I like to outrun everybody and, and show them. But clearly he also talks before, like, maybe he won't say anything to Brita in person, but... That was definitely a shot fired. Well, yeah. My favorite yeah. part of that story is that you looked up Brita's combine. Yeah. And he ran a 4.38. Not slow. And that imagine is... being like so fast that you can legitimately, like factually call that guy slow. Yeah. And like what, laugh he... at him for like thinking. What was Tyreek's like a 4.26? 4.24. 4.24. At a West Alabama Pro Day, like, you know, whatever. But still. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, we've I'll seen it. He One looks like a four run that, so. yeah. <laughs> my, my, my second favorite part there is that how Tyreek will just embrace every challenge to, to the throne of speed. Like anything <laughs> that comes up remotely yeah. suggesting that somebody's on a par with him is like, wow. He's prouder of his speed than maybe any athlete in Kansas City is proud of like any... <laughs> Well, and he should be. Like, he's faster than anybody is at any, you know. Did like, you right. see his shorts leaving the game? He was wearing cheetah print shorts after after the Steelers game, which, All, like. Always on brand. I've, that's impressive. But as somebody pointed out, neither one of them has gone to, like, Patton or, like, gone to whatever you have to go to to trademark Patton to call themselves the cheetah. But he might want to get on that. I think he might want to get on that. And, in fact, I'm sort of surprised that he hasn't really. I mean, he's, he's certainly. He's got, like, a cheetah T-shirt that he wears sometimes after yeah. games. Hmm. There's. There's, yeah, that's uh, not quite there's the same as like cheetah paraphernalia with the, with him on it, right? Yeah. In general, <laughs> but like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Minka Fitzpatrick, Minka is trying to trademark Fitzmagic, but Ryan would like it because I mean, did you see what he wore on Sunday? Yes, I did. He's the real yes, Fitzmagic. I did. But Minka's like, no, I'm gonna scoop that up first legally. Is it so? Is it weird that I don't know who Minka Fitzpatrick is? I think he's a DB at Alabama, won the Jim Thorpe Award. At first I yes. thought it was Ryan weird. Fitzpatrick's wife. I interviewed I him like, in a bathroom one time, <laughs> so don't forget your those. first bathroom interview. Uh, so is, That's a weird sentence. It's occurring to me that is, uh, is Vahe the only, the only other speed demon that um, Tyreek has acknowledged and respected? You know, cause oh you know, my gosh. You know, I hadn't thought about right. that, but I do believe you know? I'm the only one treated as an equal. You know, he respect, yeah. which That's I kind of right. think was not so much respect as just laughable, like, like <laughs> just really taking it to me. But you also did. not I think he wants to challenge you. You, Brita, and Tyreek pregame foot race. Everybody's run the forty eight oh, I think gonna, part of the respect. I would get a heavy pull on that first step. Oh, no matter we gotta, what, we have to get the Facebook live started early for that. We got to broadcast that. Clicks. <laughs> we'll get the clicks. Part of the respect is like not just like how everybody respects Vahe, but like. 
any like you didn't go up there and be like, "Hey, Tyreek, I'm the cheetah." So anyway, about that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's that's where Tyreek's defensive. I didn't challenge him from the like, start. From right, right, like right. deferred. <laughs> Somehow thinking maybe he's faster. <laughs> well, let's see. I just completely lost my train of thought. There was a comment in the in the Facebook comments about cookie deliveries for Chris Jones, and like, that's my guy. Did that we mean? talked once, and I've just decided. I hope he feels the same way. Um, we need to regenerate that video. Of, we do of you and Chris. Of me eating. You're sleuthing on a, just being a good reporter. Sometimes you got to do it for journalism. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the offense a little bit more, though, because we we saw you know Ty we saw last week uh, Sunday how different the offense looked just from week to week in the sense that Tyreek super involved first week, pretty absent second week if you can call ninety yards and a touchdown absent. Um, how do we think it's going to look this week? How how much more is it going to evolve going against the 49ers? Sam, you have any thoughts? I haven't watched enough of their defense to know like what's you know. Uh, a potential weakness there. I know they've got some guys up front. You know, um, Buckner's a stud. Elijah Lee's a stud. Like they, they got some guys that they can put pressure on. But I just keep thinking about what we saw on Sunday, and you can bring that pressure, but there's still going to be guys open downfield. And and the thing that strikes me too is there were a lot of plays where, and again, the, the line did a good job, but there were a lot of plays where the blitz worked. Like the blitz, the, the guy got there on time, like what they should have reasonably ex- ex- expected with the blitz. It didn't matter because the ball was out. And the ball was out to an open receiver. And the ball was out to an open receiver who makes the first guy miss. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's a real problem. Like I just, you know, I know we keep saying it, but like I, just, I don't know how you defend that other than my idea would just be like overwhelm that offensive line and just rush everything. Like just try to force him into a panic or something. And because... How about this? If you take some risks, if I'm the 49ers, let's 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 do some risky blitzes. If we give up a touchdown, we might be doing that anyway. Um, so let's just see if we can force a bad. It, it's kind of like the like how I feel like the Chiefs. Should play exactly. What I was just thinking. Yeah. Probably going to give something Which up is anyway. Sort of what they did a little bit of in second like, half. that, that second, second half. Yeah, yep. the third quarter, fourth quarter. I mean, like even that. Um, that one of those third down stops was like third and three where he threw it incomplete to Switzer, I think, was like there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there was a whole lot of room and not a whole lot of defenders there. So if that connects, then that might be a big play. Yeah. But they rolled the dice and, you know, brought pressure right in his face, brought mm-hmm. a bunch of guys, and Big Ben throws it sort of. I mean, I think it was one of those things where there's a little bit of a miscommunication. You know, yeah. one saw one thing, one saw the other thing. So he stopped his route a little bit early, but... You know, then they're punting. You know, like you rolled the dice, <laughs> you you know, it broke your way, and they're punting, and that ends up being at that point it was a seven point game, and it looked like nobody's defense was stopping anybody, but you 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 know, like I say, you roll the dice and you get a stop, bring give it back to your offense, and then all of a sudden that's you know seven point lead turns into a little bit of a breathing room situation. Yeah, I guess one, I wonder. I'm sorry. I, I, I guess I wonder about like how the 49 or how the Chiefs. That was your original thing, right? Like how the Chiefs are going to attack. I wonder if this is going to be. I thought this last week. But if this is going to be Kareem Hunt, if we're going to see more Kareem Hunt, more, more, more yards on the ground. But I'm sorry. But no, it's really I, sort of the same thing. I, just a thought I had, and I, I, I'd be interested to know how, how you guys saw this. I, look, every play has all its own possibilities, right? Different priorities, different reads. But I, I would submit that. Part of the game plan last week really was that Tyreek was going to be mostly decoy early, right? Or that they certainly weren't trying to get him the ball for a long time. Um, and I, I bring that up just in the context of 
that's how diabolical Andy is, right? I mean, he, he, he will be thinking about, okay, we've, we've flashed this last week. Now we're going to show that we can go to any one of six guys. Now we're just going to go all Kelsey, or now we're really going Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I feel like that's part of, certainly in some way or another, by design, right? And that, yeah. the, and that back to your point, I mean, so maybe, it's, maybe suddenly it's just a Kareem Hunt kind of day. Yeah. The first yeah. two targets were to Travis Kelsey. That's not an accident. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how much, like when the, the question being how much does it change or how much do they change things this week. And I'm not sure that they really changed a whole lot as much as it was, you know, they did some of the same things that are still tough to cover. And depending on how the defense reacts, then you just throw it to a different person or, you know, some, something pops this time it doesn't pop. I mean, like just looking at, you know, for example, like that first touchdown to Kelsey, when I watched that and watched it again, the thing that jumped out at me and I didn't see it live was that that's basically the play that they were talking about the week before that they tried to get it to Kelsey and ended up going to Sherman. They did, it was basically the same play, just a little oh, right. bit different formation, different personnel. So instead of Sherman running the wheel route and Kelsey running up the seam and Kareem Hunt swinging, it was... Um, Tyreek Hill running up the sideline on the wheel. And so that whole, I guess really it was, it was almost like Andy was like, we're going to get this to Kelsey one way. You know what I mean? Because that was in practice. Oh, they never respect that wheel. Yeah, yeah, like they never, in practice, it was like, oh, the, they, the guys, they, they never, you know, they never could get the scout team to go over to, you know, to the wheel route because it was, I guess probably because it was Sherman. And then in the game, it happened the same way too because it was Sherman, they didn't go to it, and then they throw the Sherman to touchdown. Well, you put Tyreek Hill there. They go over to it, and yeah. then um, you know Pat That's just a great example. you know Pat yeah. just threads the needle. I mean, because you watch it again, and there's I mean, the inside linebacker had his back turned, so you know he's running to scramble. But I mean, there's not a whole lot of space. Like the guy over the top is maybe a couple yards away. The guy that he ran past, you know, I mean, just the fact that he had his hips turned was enough for Pat to just you know. I mean, so it's it's not like they're necessarily rewriting the book of football. It's just like when you have these guys. You could just change different guys in different spots and say, yeah, we'll run the same thing. You still can't cover it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that there is something to what if this is Kareem Hunt's week because I think one of the things that has surprised me about this offense is just how, I don't want to say unproductive, but I guess how quiet he's been um, after the season that he had last year and does it seem like it's more of a, you know, by design that they're just not feeding him or does it look like the defenses have figured out what he's all about because after I mean after a breakout season like that you kind of expect to see some of that at least early on and I feel like we really haven't I think it's I guess it's a combination of both right although I can't remember his numbers after two games last year but they were off the charts right and maybe the first three four games it was crazy actually he probably had more yardage against the Patriots overall than he has in the first two games Chicken and egg on that, right? It, it, it sure seems like they've had different points of emphasis, though, for one reason or another, than him. Well, if, if we're going to compare, like, quarterbacks, the biggest difference, like, last year, Alex, he had the midseason slump. They all did. Um, but there was a lot of, like, he had finally mastered all of the, the reads and, and the different options in a really thick playbook. And he was sort of directing the symphony. A little bit like ball goes here, ball goes here. with with Patrick. He was supposed to be behind all that stuff, <laughs> and and apparently he's not. But he was supposed to be. But his strength, and it is showing up, is he's like part of the symphony. Like you know, like he can kind of create on his own. Like he can he can get the ball where it needs to be, and he was doing a, again like a beautiful job against, um, against. 
those zone blitzes. But he can also at times, oh, you're going to do this after the snap. Like, I feel like post-snap Alex would kind of like system overload, you know, and, and it was you just kind of run, and that was it. And like Pat, something happens he's not expecting after the snap. He's just, oh, I'll just drift over here, then use my like howitzer, like god gifted <laughs> arm. You know, like, there's just like, there's no reason. And maybe if you're that talented, you just... Never panic, you know, because you never. Wonder what that's like, you know. <laughs> I, I remember, like, I'll never this, know. This I reminds me. Facebook well, Live. Said, yeah. well, this reminds me of um, this conversation I had, um, like working on this story about Patrick that ran before the season with one of Patrick's best friends, and and I was just like thinking, and I was like, okay, like, do you think that he plays the way he does and was able to take a chance playing football because he knew he had this seven figure option like a seven figure fallback option basically to play baseball like and it just makes sense to me that he would be able to like take more chances both in in how he plays and that he plays quarterback it just makes logical sense to me and and it was Coleman Patterson and and he looks at me and he goes I understand what you're saying but I think he's like that because it's not because of baseball it's just because he doesn't think he's ever gonna fail <laughs> and he's been right yeah <laughs> you know so far he's and been by the right. way I that seems to be the case, and what a line to walk without coming off as arrogant. Yeah, right. right. I mean, it's just kind of an interesting twist on uh-huh. on the whole thing. I get there's no part of him that comes off as arrogant. No, no. I mean, in talking with him today, he, you know, we asked him about what's it like to have more attention. You have, you know, getting recognized in the city. You have all these people. You have these weekly awards. You have people on Twitter, and he's just kind of like, eh, I'm just a homebody. I just, you know, had the same routine. One, that's something, a big thing that I took away from Alex Smith is just sticking to the same routine. So on his birthday, he's watching film, has takeout for dinner, isn't going in like, I don't know where you pop bottles in KC, but surely there's a place. And that's not what he's doing. He's just kind of laying low. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of that, there's just a, this like quiet confidence about him that doesn't come off as being cocky because he, he hasn't failed yet. And he's been on teams that have failed, but he personally... I don't think his experience like a massive failure. You're, you're making me think of a different angle on this point, and, and you might have gotten into this with him today, but Sam would probably have the long view perspective on this. So Mitch Morse was talking about this earlier today, that, that the way the city of Kansas City treats its athletes, you know, that I, I think the suggestion was he can go out in public and not, you know, be flooded. Actually, I really wonder that. Is he a different kind of guy than anything else that you can think of in some time in terms of how can he go out in public? I, can, I think maybe what Mitch was saying with that, I wasn't there, but I think maybe what he was saying is um, like an athlete is a bigger deal in Kansas City than he would be in Chicago or, you know, like just mm-hmm. function of, of size. But I think there is something to the idea of, you know, Pat or like whoever can go to Capitol, like, Wherever you would eat if you had millions of dollars, like you know, can go to wherever, and and people would be like, oh my god, that's fill in the blank. But they kind of keep their distance. Right. I think that's exactly what he was saying. This was a good community for that. The way that they embrace yeah. athletes and respect them. Like you yeah. can be impressed that someone's there and not, yeah. you know, run up to them like, please sign um, this. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So. Eric Cosmo would be the guy if you're asking for like yeah, examples. Yeah. Uh, Derek Thomas is a little bit before my time of 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 doing this for a living, right? But um, Derek Tony Gonzalez. Um, would probably be in that. In so it's the, been um, challenged before, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's been it's, stars, yeah. but I mean, he does have the chance to be the biggest star since George Brett. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no pressure. And right. George Brett <laughs> chose to continue living here the rest of his life, uh, so he, he, he was able to get on here. And yeah. did not mind the occasional. 
<laughs> you know, like that would flip out that stretch, but yeah, that did not that did not keep George out of the bars. <laughs> well, I think we should probably talk about some defense and special teams before we run out of time here. But real quick, I would like to address something. Someone has asked if my laptop bling is the Golden Gate Bridge, and that if I'm a mole for the 49ers, that is no the uh, that's the Brooklyn Bridge because I love New York. Also, my name is Brooke. And Brooklyn, so Brooklyn. I just called Lynn Brooks, so things are going really well. <laughs> Brooklyn, um, yeah. I've got, I've got some good stuff. I rep Oklahoma. It's my all girls high school. Mipso abandoned Chapel Hill. Nope, just because and explore more because I'm a basic white girl and like, what else am I going to have on my laptop? In Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma, like Oklahoma. Yeah. America. Yeah. Okay. So now I need some Kansas City. Something. I have a casual animal sticker that I think I'm going to put on there. Yeah, you do need some KC. I know. A cheetah, maybe? You said yeah, animals? a cheetah right here. Um, so, yeah, now that we've gone over that, and you guys know that I'm not a mole for San Francisco, um, let's chat about, someone asked if we were surprised to see Terrence Smith on the field a lot. And I think that he did play quite a bit against the Steelers. They wanted that linebacker that could drop back into coverage. He looked pretty effective. Lynn, what did you think seeing, seeing him out there? Well, I think part, at least some part of it, I'm not sure how to quantify it, was like Raglan came out for a part with uh, what they said was a stinger. But also I think just the way Pittsburgh spread the field, I mean, the linebackers, teams at least in the first two games have decided they're going to attack the linebackers with coverage. I mean, we saw it in, I was about to say San Diego, saw it with Los Angeles, saw it with Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh just went, you know, See, at, at times went all out. It seems like they probably could have done even more where they just went empty. They took Connor off the p- field, put the kid Switzer out there, and just said, okay, we're going to spread you as thin as we can and make you cover. Um, and so I think, you know, the Chiefs were sort of trying to figure out how they wanted to do, do that. You saw Hitchens out there sometimes. Sometimes Hitchens wasn't out there. You saw Terrence Smith out there. I mean, so um, just those empty looks with, you know, multiple wide receivers. Um, I think that's part of what got Smith on the field. Again, Raglan coming out. I think the coverage thing is going to be something that they're going to have to deal with all season because teams are going to try to attack that and just try and make guys, you know, guys who are traditionally known as run stuffers, Hitchens, Raglan, um, Houston, and Ford. We saw them dropping back probably more than anybody thought they wanted to see that. Um, make those guys, you know, cover if they're going to be on the field. Anybody else have any pretty, more thoughts on that? No. How, that that how was pretty. <laughs> that was really <laughs> thorough. Well, Lynn, you're on such a roll. I got to ask you about another guy that uh, that you've spent some time getting to know and kind of analyzing his film. But Breland speaks. Someone, a couple people in here were less than thrilled with how he's been doing. But from your perspective, is he living up to expectation, or is he kind of this being a slow build to him getting settled into this defense? It's probably more of a slow build. I mean, he's. He, he's getting time out there. Sometimes you'll see something you think is pretty encouraging, then you'll see times where it's like he sort of gets eaten up a little bit. And, I mean, because he's the first pick that they had, you know, probably people put some attention and, you know, um, you know, focus on him. But I, I, if he stays where he's at, then, you know, it's probably not what you're we're hoping for. If he makes that steady improvement, then, um, you know, maybe people look at it differently. I also think that, He's going to be a guy that moves around. I think we've already sort of got that sense. So where he eventually settles in, I think, still remains to be seen. And maybe him moving around could, you know, play into whether or not he has, you know, makes those big gains, makes those strides. Um, so I think there's still, you know, he's one of those guys where it's still early. You know, where we look at Pat and say, man, we didn't expect this this early. I mean, I think 
speak, especially being a rookie, you, you, ideally things are going to take a little time with him. Yeah, it, it certainly seems that way. Um, someone who is not new, uh, well, new to the team, but not to the NFL, Orlando Skandrick, he had that one really bad uh, holding call that, what, did it negate a touchdown or just negate? Yeah, yeah negated it did. a touchdown, and I do not know of any human being who has yet actually seen the, the offense, as they say, on the, I've never oh, seen. Oh, I've never seen, seen the replay. It. That, oh, it's it's. I mean, I think. Have um, you seen it? I, I think I've never it was tweeted it. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and oh, so, okay. I mean, bad. it wasn't super zoomed it's in. On the, but yeah, it was, it's on that all twenty-two. Yeah. It's, it's a so bad. So it's the coach's okay. film. So it's, it's a, a bad view. And it's. I mean, you can't tell exactly how egregious it is, but I mean, and is let it me in know the scrum. No, no, it's it's down. It's downfield. It's downfield. And theoretically, the flag was thrown before. All that stuff happened then too. Well, like, I don't remember when the flag was. The flag thrown. was thrown a little late. That was the thing that I didn't see on that too was when the flag was thrown. But from the the high vantage point, it's one of those ones where it's like you can't exactly tell how egregious, but you can see that he's definitely got his hands on him when the guy tries to cut away from him and still, you know, where Roethlisberger might have thrown. Yeah, it, right? it was a little I mean, bit of so it wasn't yeah. just an irrelevant so, uh-huh. action. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was interesting because I think we all saw that play or didn't see the play, but we all you know heard the the result of him. Like, oh my gosh, this guy like he struggled the first week. Now this happens. Like this secondary is still one of the world's going on. But Pro Football Focus came out and said that Skandrick was spent fifty eight snaps in coverage against Pittsburgh, targeted eight times, and only allowed one reception for zero yards. So he actually had a pretty good afternoon. How do we feel about this defense, especially the secondary through two weeks? I mean, is is there hope? Is it as bad as we thought it was during the preseason in week one? Or did is there, you know, some redeeming qualities? Define hope. Well. <laughs> they have a really good offense is the, yeah. is the hope. I mean, I, I think that um, Skandrick is a guy that, um, like one of those, like, watch the game again better than you thought live, at least to me. Um, he had a t- he was matched up against Antonio Brown a lot, and it stayed with him like more than you would have expected. And that's not like a backhanded compliment. Like more than yeah. you would expect most any cornerback right. to stay with. And like Antonio Brown may have wanted out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He may have wished he was playing on the other team uh, for for some of that. But still, <laughs> that's what triggered the um, that is not Orlando Scandrick's problem. Um, I think they can be like they can get to if they were thirty two last year. You know, like thirty. Yeah, like high, what would you say, low 20s? Like some, yeah. I don't know. Um, they, need, uh, they need Eric Berry to continue to improve and uh, maybe take something not yet approved by the FDA. They need um, like D4 to continue. D4's playing really well. I'm going to write it by him. He's playing really well. They need Justin Houston to get a little bit more of his mojo. Chris Jones is a star and playing like a star. That needs to continue. I mean, they've got some pieces that they can be like sort of not good, but. Decent enough for the number one offense in the league to, to and, win. And look, fuller's than everything we thought he would be, I think. I, unless I'm. He's been good. Some Gave things. up a touchdown, but it was like pretty there, good coverage. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And that, that sometimes that's all you can expect. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't. I wasn't particularly cognizant of what kind of game Ron Parker had, but I do believe it, it's reasonable to assume that that with a couple weeks of actually playing, Ron will be, you know, in pretty good form. It's sort of a steady, unspectacular. Nice moments guy, and uh, certainly a plus, I think, Ron Parker is. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I think Ron's a plus. So if you, if you get that, and if Skandrick turns out to be a guy that can typically stay with an Antonio Brown, well, you know, you got some competence opportunity there. 
One thing that's a little bit frustrating, I'm wondering like, what you think about this, is you were just talking about Breland Speaks. I, feel, I, I get that Breland Speaks is a better run defender, but Tano Passigno should be playing more than Breland Speaks, not the other way around, at least to me. It seems like more of a pass rusher, more, more of a presence. Well, this, uh, that sort of ties into what I was going to ask you was, so you're talking about how you, what you think that secondary can be. And I'm wondering, does that change if we talk about the pass rush? Like, we didn't see a lot of it throughout that game. And as we said earlier, we feel like maybe they needed to take some more risks. So if they become a defense that has to take risks, has to send guys, I mean, aren't we almost, isn't that almost, you know, just um, inevitable that those guys out the, on the outside are going to get exposed more? I mean, if that's yeah. what you have to do to get pass rush. Totally. But I, I think what, what has to change is, like, maybe the perspective of how you view the defense, where it's not how many points they give up, but it's how many plays they make. In the second half against Pittsburgh, they gave up a touchdown on Pittsburgh's first drive, right? And then three straight punts. And to me, like, that's where that defense can win. Like, you know, you, the Chiefs are not going to win if they only scored 24 points. Like, that, you know, most times, like, that's not, that's not going to work. But if, if they get into, you know, winnings back and forth games like they've been in the first two weeks and the defense just – creates a turnover, which they really haven't done. They had the, the special teams, and then the Ron Parker diving interception was a nice play against San Diego. That's it, right? Um, no turnovers against the Steelers, unless I'm forgetting somebody. No, I think the they one, the one that they zero. could have had was wiped away the penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's to me, it's True. just about like how many plays they make on the other side. Like they, they should be swinging hard, and you know, if a blitz means that, uh, you know, whoever that George Kittle gets open, you know, down the seam on Sunday. That should be okay if it means that the other time that you blitzed, you got a strip sack or you got, you know, something like that. That that, that that's a win to me. I'm um, with you guys. Well, pardon before, me, I got to go to a conference. Well, before Vahe jumps off, because I think we should oh. cut this short. Uh, well, not short, but we'll wrap it up soon. Uh, sorry, I just completely nailed you down. Go ahead and give us your score prediction, then you can scoot she out. She said, "Not so fast." Not so fast, my <laughs> friend. Um, this is course, even more off the cuff than my usual, just completely uh, guessing things. So let's say. Uh, 34-24, Chiefs. All right. Marking you down. It was pretty uh, close last week. I had the Chiefs winning by three, except it was like 20 points fewer for each team. So you decide. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, No, I had them losing. Sorry, I made that up. I did have them losing. Revisionist history. Lynn, what you got? So I'm doing the score now? Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to – I just want to keep you guys on your toes. Let's so. see. Um, considering the role they're on, we'll pick – We'll pick uh, the Chiefs, and I'm trying to think, what's a good number here? We'll do the old Patrick Mahomes, let's pick a number game here. Let's see. Four touchdowns, six touchdowns. Um, let's give them 48 this time out. So 48, 48 to 24. We'll give them that. I like it. I like it. Sam, what you got? 38-27. We're kind of picking the same scores here. But. Yeah, I have 38-26 written down. <laughs> so, and I, I literally wrote that down before that number came it. out of your I mouth. Thank you. Just very, just Witness. it's right there, everyone. Uh, so, any any final thoughts that we want to get to before we sign off for good? Well, just for what, this week, we're real, back. real quickly. I think that uh, we we've, we've just been talking about a lot about the defense. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, not just like the big context. Like this is sort of like football's version of the steroid era, right? Like all the, all the numbers that are being put up across the league. Uh, so keep that in mind when you think about the defense. But also, they just played two Hall of Fame quarterbacks on the road, um, shootouts, all that stuff. Like I think we, we might get a little bit more of a 
realistic is not the right word, but just more 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 context of what this defense actually is against the 49ers. Are good. Like, I mean, they're a fine team. Um, Garoppolo could be a, a good quarterback in the league, but you know, my point is like not against a team that was in the top five in offense last year, and, and you know maybe more of an idea of what the defense is after this game. You know, I did want to ask a question that I'm actually going to pass off as my question, but it's from a Facebook Live person. Thief. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Uh, Serena, I like that. <laughs> I'm just going to read. That's exactly where that was in my head. From. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, hopefully I don't get suspended for any matches or anything. Um, but how much is the offense's speed hurting this defense? We've heard, I think Bob Sutton said it, I think Andy Reid said it, you know, the offense is going so fast, they're putting the defense back out there. Is it the offense is going too fast, or is it the defense needs to get a few more stops faster so that way they're not out there for such a long amount of time? Well, it does work together, right? I thought that was a problem more in L.A. against the Chargers um, than than last week, in part because of the heat. Um, Although it wasn't, it wasn't cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in the press box. Yeah, fourth quarter, though, but right? there was a. Um, they were the, the difference in that game to me. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it was so many plays early that the defense is on, that I think it did wear them out late. At least on Sunday it was kind of spread out a little bit more, I guess. I guess, but I, guess I sort of look at it as not the exact opposite, but more that the late plays were the ones that where it really showed up just because they were on the field so much in the fourth quarter, whereas this past week they actually ran the ball. and like no, they actually, That's what I mean, yeah, yeah, they got worn down in yeah. L.A. Yeah, well, yeah, right? yeah, but I'm not sure if it was so much the, the early part that showed up late or if it was just the fact that, the offense didn't do anything late, and so then the defense was yeah. out there, you know, in L.A., as opposed to this past week where the offense actually, you know, it was it was pretty close, but they controlled time of possession in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. ran the ball a little bit. And that was one of the things that, you know, I talked to some of the guys after the game, the line and, and everything about, you know, um, just their ability to run it when they had to, which is one of the things that, you know, um, we were talking about the running game earlier. Um, so, like, I think I talked to Sherman, Schwartz, and Morse, and Sherman talked about, you know, they didn't really care – you know, if it was passing or running in terms of, like, you know, the first part of the game, where the points are coming from. You know, it's just a matter of being able to be productive. Um, but what they did care about was being able to run it when they had to, which was late in the game, which they yeah. did a lot better. You know, they didn't put up, you know, big numbers, but they did a lot better in that fourth quarter than they did against the Chargers. Um, and just the idea of the running game, you know, um, being serviceable enough, you know, for them to be able to, you know, when they have to, control the clock. And um, and actually, this is sort of a sidetrack here, but just uh, Schwartz was a little, it was sort of something I never thought about when I asked him about the running game. Because I did ask, like, so where are you guys at with the running game? Because we haven't really seen a whole lot of it. And Schwartz was like, well, the RPOs, he feels like, are sort of part of the running game. Because, you know, for them, it's a running sure. play. Like, when it's called a running play, just Pat has the option to, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to throw it. So uh, it was just another thing that sort of, you know, he mentioned that I never really thought of. But, you know, for them, they don't really think that the running game is maybe as far behind as maybe outside looking at numbers we do. Um, they don't think it's where they want it to be, obviously. But it's, you know, it's not that far behind in their minds, at least it sounds like. So you want they that to good on Sunday. Huh? Do they it? really were good on Sunday, yeah. I think. you have any other final thoughts? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you have any other final thoughts? Cool. Uh, well, in the interest of time, I have no more thoughts uh, for right now. But we will be back on Sunday with some more thoughts uh, post game after the 49ers play the Chiefs at Arrowhead. 
Also, uh, look out for the second half of our podcast that will have my interview with 49ers beat writer Chris Biederman for the Sacramento Bee, previewing a little bit more of the specifics of the 49ers. So stay tuned for that. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass. I'm Brooke Pryor, Chiefs beat writer, and on the phone with me is Chris Bitterman, the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Beat. Chris, did I pronounce your name right? I just realized I did not ask, and I just kind of went with my gut. No, you know what? That happens all the time. It's actually Biederman. Um, there's kind of a long story behind it, but but I totally understand because nowhere in English does an I make a long E sound. So, uh, so yeah, it's Biederman, but no problem at all. Okay, well, I mean, it's kind of in the theme of everybody's name's just been mispronounced. Chrissy Teigen, Tyrod slash Tyrod Taylor. I mean, just you, you're in a pretty good club. Uh, yeah, no, I'd love to be associated with those people. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Well... I'm sure as much as people would love to hear us talk about name pronunciations and everything else, we're actually here to talk about football today, specifically the 49ers-Chiefs game this weekend. Uh, Chiefs are opening up finally back at home uh, with the 49ers. They've been on the road for two weeks. There's been a Taylor Swift concert, a Royals game, so it's kind of delayed their their return home. Um but when they finally get there, they will meet the 1-1 49ers coming off a win against Detroit. Although I was reading some of your coverage, and it seemed like the general consensus was this win kind of felt more like a loss. So coming off that, I mean, where do the 49ers kind of stand going into week three? Well, in, in their season opener against Minnesota, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC, the, the Niners turned the ball over four times. They went one of four in the red zone and uh, and they ended up only losing by eight points. So I think they they sort of came out of, of that game with, with some optimism and, and positivity, thinking that the game was there for them if they just cleaned up some of the mistakes. And um, they're a young team. And then so, you know, coming home against Detroit uh, in week two, a team that was beaten pretty badly on their home field in that Monday night opener against the Jets and, and a rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold. Um, I think a lot of people, including myself, were, were expecting a pretty a pretty easy win for the 49ers coming back just based on the way Jimmy Garoppolo played at the end of last season. And, and you know, he's undefeated at, at Levi Stadium. And, you know, it, it looked like for three quarters that that was going to play out. The 49ers ended up taking a 17-point lead. Um and and then things just kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. They have some injuries in the secondary. Akella Witherspoon, a cornerback, was, was dealing with an ankle injury. And Matthew Stafford just picked on him over and over again until eventually the 49ers just took Witherspoon out of the game. 
Um, Richard Sherman was solid on the other side, but uh, the 49ers, you know, they, they, they nearly blew a 17 point lead. Jimmy Garoppolo was intercepted uh, in like just, just at the two minute warning uh, and the Lions returned it to the seven yard line, but the play was negated because of a penalty, uh, a holding call before the pass in the secondary on, on the complete opposite side of the field that had no bearing on the play. So the 49ers come out of come out of that win thinking that they're incredibly lucky to escape with the win, just given the way they played, um, and they didn't finish very strong. And and you look at the way Matt Stafford played. You know, he threw four picks in Week One, but he threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, and for 347 yards on Sunday. So going against Patrick Mahomes and and that Chiefs offense right now. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a daunting task, and, and like you mentioned, it sounds like it's going to be a, a pretty explosive atmosphere in Kansas City for that home opener. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's actually perfect because I wanted to talk to you about the defense, and I read where Richard Sherman said he feels like he's back to his old self. Obviously, you know, he was a force uh, when he was with Seattle, now in a different system. Um, how How is he fitting in? I mean, is he kind of going to be the biggest threat that Patrick Mahomes has to worry about on Sunday? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, the the 49ers, the the big appeal for Sherman was that you know he provided the the upgrade at cornerback they needed, and and they run this uh, very similar defense to what what he's familiar with in Seattle. So so far, Sherman's allowed just just one catch in 99 pass coverage snaps, and that's from from Pro, Pro Football Focus, which is first in the NFL. Um, you know, we saw early in training camp Sherman coming back from that Achilles tear, obviously. Uh, he got burned on one of his first reps in, in a video that kind of went viral in an individual drill against Marquise Goodwin, who, who's one of the fastest receivers in the league. Um, and you wonder how he matches up with somebody like Tyreek Hill. I know speed isn't his game. Sherman's more about, um, you know, uh, his his knowledge of, of opponent schemes and, and their route concepts and, and positioning within the 49ers, you know, sort of zone coverage and their cover three schemes that they like to play. It'll be very interesting to see how he matches up against, uh, you know, arguably the fastest receiver in the league in Tyreek Hill. Um, so, you know, Sherman hasn't really been tested yet. We know we know he's savvy. We know he's smart. Um, but we haven't seen anybody go at him yet. And we don't necessarily know if that's because he's playing at an at a ultra high level or if teams are just going the other way because they feel like they have an advantage against a Kevin Witherspoon. So I, I think. That Sunday's game is going to be really telling in terms of where Richard Sherman's at. He turned 30 in, in the spring. Um, he had surgery on both his Achilles. He had bone spurs re- removed from the other one, his left side, uh, after rupturing his right Achilles. And so he, he says he feels great. He says he's playing um, at his typical high level. He hasn't been tested yet, but but I'm definitely curious to see if that changes Sunday, just given the fact that the, Ch- the Chiefs you know, are so athletic and so fast. That they might that they might present a physical matchup that the 49ers haven't seen yet. And then the other side, Witherspoon played for what three quarters, and then the fourth quarter he was benched in favor of, of Jimmy Ward. How is that other position shaking out for for next week? Do you expect to see Witherspoon starting out there, or do you think there's a possibility that Ward could be the starter? I, I think it comes down to Witherspoon's health, and we're not going to know until probably Friday or maybe even Sunday morning. Um, Witherspoon practiced last week, but he was limited with an ankle injury that, that he suffered in week one, and it clearly impacted the way he played on Sunday, I thought. The 49ers came into the year thinking Witherspoon had, had the potential to be a very high-level starter. He was a third-round pick last year who wound up playing himself into the starting lineup midway through the season. 
um, and and played pretty well as a rookie. And then bringing in Richard Sherman to play on the other side, um, that it seemed like the 49ers were in a pretty good spot at cornerback. But with Sherman playing well, you know, perhaps better than expected, or at least with other teams not targeting his side of the field at all, Witherspoon has, has been the one who's who really needs to step up his game because he's been targeted so much. Um, so if he's going to deal with an ankle injury, the 49ers might decide to go with a healthy option in Jimmy Ward, who was a 2014 first-round pick. And, and he was a guy who initially played inside in the slot. Uh, he moved around a little bit last year. He began the season at free safety. Um, and, and so they've been playing him at cornerback this offseason and training camp because Richard Sherman was coming back from injury. So they, they've been moving Ward around a lot, and, and he's not the typical tall, long-armed corner that, that teams that run this system typically employ. Uh, he's, he's on the smaller side. He's 193 pounds, but, but when he's been on the field, he's been a good player. Uh, but there, there are some questions about his fit at cornerback in, the, in this particular system. Um, but he might be a better matchup for, for Tyreek Hill, particularly if, if Witherspoon is dealing with an ankle injury. Well, with, with the injuries, how, you know, so the secondary seems like it may be a little in flux going into this week, but what about the, the pass rush? I mean, that was something that um, week one, the um, I'm blanking on who the Chiefs played, and it's only been two weeks, so that's a really good sign. Uh, they played the Chargers, right? <laughs> yes, they did. Another, <laughs> another West Coast team. Uh, against the Chargers, the, the Chargers were able to get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes, make him uncomfortable. He did better against that, against the Steelers. How potent can the 49ers pass rush be? Well, they've drafted a, a lot of defensive linemen over the last few years. DeForest Buckner, um, the, the 2016 first-round pick, he, he's second in the NFL right now with three-and-a-half sacks, and he had two-and-a-half in week one and, and added another one last week. He's a really good player, and, and the 49ers think he – eventually could end up being one of those guys uh you know in the in the conversation with with you know some of the best players on defense in the entire league he's sort of uh he's tall he's six seven six eight he's got that Calais Campbell like build and he's very very durable last year he only had three sacks but uh he was among the league leaders in quarterback hits and pressures according to pro football focus and now he he's already you know passed last year's sack total in two games um, you know, his supporting cast, though, is a little bit of a question mark. Eric Armstead is a two, 2015 first round pick who's also been moved around having, you know, the 49ers used to play a 3-4. Now they play a 4-3. So Armstead's been been shuffled inside and outside. Uh, Solomon Thomas, last year's third overall pick, uh, has, has had an interesting start to the season. He, he's played fewer than half the snaps in each of the first two games. And the 49ers tried him on the edge last year uh, at Stanford. I, I think it was pretty clear who was a better player on the inside. But right now, the 49ers feel like Buckner and Armstead are better players on the inside. And they've gone with, with more journeyman-type guys, uh, Cassius Marsh and, and Ronald Blair on the edges. And you look at this 49ers defense, I think it's fair to say that the biggest need that they have you know, at some point, maybe going into next season, is edge rusher. And they had Elvis Dumerville last year who led the team with six and a half sacks, but they decided not to bring him back. Um, for whatever reason, Dumerville ended up retiring. I, I think he would have been willing to play this season if the 49ers were willing to give him a shot, but uh, the team decided to go younger. They they brought in Jeremiah Tauchu, a former second-round pick of the Chargers in the offseason, but he didn't end up making the team out of training camp, and he wound up signing with the New York Jets, and it was somewhat of a surprising move given the fact that, like I said, the 49ers don't really have a bona fide established edge rusher. So, uh, yeah, pass rush is, is, is definitely an issue uh, going into this game, I would say, or, or 
for the 49ers just in general. Um, you know, they have a young secondary, and I think the young secondary would play much better if the 49ers had a more consistent pass rush. And, and that definitely showed up late in that game Sunday. Matthew Stafford was given plenty of time to throw in the pocket and go through his reads and, and pick on the 49ers defense and make some big plays downfield. So the pass rush is definitely going to be an issue. Um, but, you know, DeForest Buckner has, you know, he, he's a guy who can get multiple sacks in one game. Uh, Eric Armstead has, has shown flashes. Uh, you know, Salman Thomas has, has a really high motor. He's a talented player. But I think the 49ers need more than, than what they've seen from him. He missed a sack on a crucial third down uh, in Sunday's game and before the Lions ended up scoring a touchdown in the first half. So he's, he's going to be a guy who's under the microscope because when you're the third overall pick and you're a def- defensive lineman, you know, you're lumped into a group with you know, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and Vaughn Miller and, and those other top five picks who are, who are brought in to bother quarterbacks. And Solomon just hasn't been that guy yet. Well, uh, we'll get into some more predictions later, but... Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdown passes against the Steelers. You think it's going to be more than that, less than that, about the same against the 49ers? If, if you can even throw more than six touchdowns in a game, because that just number in and of itself is insane. It is. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, I, I, just, I just don't know that I can predict anybody going into <laughs> a game throwing six or more touchdown passes. I mean, if he threw four or five or even six, it wouldn't surprise me, and, and I don't know that it, it would really surprise me if, if, he, if he throws seven, just because the Niners' defense doesn't look like it's in great shape right now. I know I talked about Witherspoon in the pass rush, um, but their strong safety, Jaquaski Tart, uh, a former second-round pick and a guy who they like a lot, who, who's been playing pretty well uh, over the last two years playing in this new defense, uh, he suffered a, sh- a shoulder injury at, in week one that he aggravated late last week against the Lions, and is going to be questionable going into the game. So we don't know what his status is, and the 49ers don't have much depth at safety right now, uh, particularly if Jimmy Ward, who I mentioned was a former safety, uh, if he has to play cornerback, then they're really thin in the secondary. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they shuffle those things around. But I will say I expect Patrick Mahomes to have another big game. Um, I don't know that he'll throw six touchdown passes, but if he threw four or five and the Chiefs, put up another 40-point performance, it, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, me neither. Although, I mean, it, it is ludicrous to be like, oh, yeah, he could definitely throw six more touchdowns in a game. No big deal. <laughs> uh, now, look, let's look at the other quarterback, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, last year's like late-season golden boy, it boy quarterback. Uh, is he the same guy that he was last year? I mean, I saw he had, took, what, six sacks in this game at three interceptions the week before? Is the old Jimmy G still there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he threw a couple of touchdown passes. They still scored 30 points. Um, it could have been more against that Lions defense that, that actually played pretty well as, as the game wore on. Um, you know, it's, it's a honeymoon period, and, and I think what happened late last year with, with the 49ers and Garoppolo is, is kind of similar to what Chiefs fans are going through with Patrick Mahomes right now. And, you know, I, going into the first full season as a starter, you knew that you know, obviously Garoppolo wasn't going to be undefeated forever. Uh, you knew that defenses were going to try to throw some some different looks at him. And, and let's face it, last year the 49ers didn't really play any meaningful games. Even even that game against uh, uh, the Jaguars where the 49ers put up, I think it was something like 44 points. The Jaguars clinched the division in the first quarter of that game because the Titans had lost to the Rams. So I can't imagine they were playing with a ton of urgency in that game. Um, and the 49ers, you know, they 
they beat the Titans, but there, there wasn't a lot at stake in that game either. So now we're seeing uh, how teams are, are approaching Garoppolo with a full offseason to, to prepare for him and Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, the 49ers are, are certainly missing some, some key players. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is a guy, uh, the, the running back they brought in, the, the former Viking, who was going to be a really important piece on offense. He suffered an Achilles tear a week before the, or sorry, an ACL tear a week before the regular season started during practice. Uh, and that's a pretty big deal for them because he was going to be a guy who, who was going to get a lot of targets in the passing game, but who was also a, a perfect fit for what the 49ers wanted to do in the running game. And Kyle Shanahan admitted before the season that he really had to overhaul his plan for the offense before the season started. So I think they're still sort of adjusting to that. Um, the receivers, they've been missing Marquise Goodwin. They missed him last week. Uh, he almost had 1,000 yards last season. I, I know he wasn't particularly effective in Buffalo mostly because of, because of hamstring injuries and, and other things. But, you know, he's a Tyreek Hill-type player. He might not be as, as dynamic as an athlete, but I think him and, him and Hill are, are just about the same speed. Goodwin, of course, was a former Olympic track star. Uh, he, he participated in, in the uh, London Olympics in long jump. And, and he's a 49ers deep threat. He's a guy who, who really creates space by taking the top off the defense and allows the rest of the, the offense to work. And they've been missing him for most of the last two weeks. So that's been problematic, too. So, you know, we saw the Lions play a lot of man coverage. Uh, they were really grabby. They really, uh, you know, were physical with the 49ers receivers. And, and Garoppolo, you know, held onto the ball for, for too long, and, and he was trying to wait out to see if guys could break away from coverage. And that comes a week after he threw three interceptions against the Vikings. So that was probably in his head. And these are just some of the week-to-week things that, that are going to happen to Garoppolo and, and the 49ers offense in, in his first full season as a starting quarterback. And, and he's still getting used to that. And, uh, and, you know, I know the Chiefs' offense has been really good, but their defense hasn't been so much. So, you know, if, if the 49ers have a shot on Sunday, it, it's going to be in a shootout, obviously. And, and maybe if they catch some breaks, maybe if they force some turnovers, they can, they can keep it close. Um, but I would expect the offense to look pretty good. Uh, now that you know they're they're in their third game, they they know what what it's going to look like without Jarek McKinnon, and and the offense got a pretty good wake up call against Detroit by by nearly throwing that game away late. So it sounds like we're going to have a Big Twelve style game on Sunday, which means we should all settle in for like four hours of offense. Um, yeah, I would <laughs> definitely agree with that. I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much defense is going to be played on Sunday, but it should be an exciting game. <laughs> no kidding. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, Marquise Goodwin did not play Sunday. I know the injury reports haven't come out this week yet, but how how serious is his injury, and do you expect to see him on the field Sunday? It's tough to say. He he suffered a pretty nasty quad contusion. He he was running across the field and then basically took a knee from a defensive lineman to his right quad, and he actually like flipped. Oh. You know, he he almost did like a complete three sixty, and then just you know imagine imagine getting a Charlie horse going full speed from a three hundred pound defensive lineman. Um, so he was he was working out. He actually returned to that game in late, but he couldn't get back up to full speed and. And obviously with those things, they, they get worse over time. So he sat out last week. Um, but, yeah, I, I honestly can't say until we see him at practice. We'll see him at practice tomorrow or whether or not he's practicing. Maybe he'll be on the side field. But, um, yeah, he'll be an interesting guy to watch for sure. Um, and, and we'll have to see. I, we'll, we'll have a better idea for sure on Wednesday and, and then definitely Friday once, once the final status report comes out. 
Well, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill, whose Twitter handle is Cheetah, but then I was reading that Matt Breida's nickname is the Cheetah, so we're going to have two Cheetahs going at it uh, on Sunday. What, I mean, I is Matt Breida as fast as Tyreek Hill? Does he, I mean, as far as Cheetahs go, is one faster than the other? Do they have the same speed? I mean, is this going to be like we're watching Animal Planet? What, how is this going to go? <laughs> Well, I would say Marquise Goodwin and Tyreek Hill are probably of pretty similar speed, and, and Matt Breida might be a hair behind him. Um, he was a, he was an undrafted rookie out of Georgia Southern last year, and he he wasn't invited to the scouting combine because he didn't have a great season because Georgia Southern went through you know a coaching change and an offensive offensive shift, uh, and he had I think he had close to, close to three thousand yards rushing the previous two seasons combined. And then at his pro day, he ran uh, a four four forty and jumped something like forty three inches, and and just sort of endeared himself to the 49ers because of his athleticism and his uh, and his fit in an outside zone scheme. And you know, you saw it last week. He had that sixty six yard run um, for a touchdown, and he got a great block from Pierre Garcon downfield. But he is an, a, pr- a pretty explosive player, and right now, through two weeks, he leads the NFL in rushing. Um, because he mostly because he ran for 138 yards uh, last week on just 11 carries, and I know he had that 66-yard run, but um, he he had a lot of other long runs against the Lions, and uh, and the 49ers really like what he brings to the table. But um, he's a little bit more limited than Jarek McKinnon was because McKinnon was such a valuable player out of the passing game. So Brita isn't quite uh, the pass catcher, route runner as McKinnon. But uh, he offers a similar dynamic in the running game, and, and I would expect his role to grow even further just given the fact he's been so productive and efficient in the early going. Well, we saw last week against the Steelers, they just the Steelers seemed like they completely abandoned their, their run offense after the first quarter when they got in that three-touchdown hole early. How committed do you think the 49ers will be to, to their rushing offense, knowing that Matt Breida, you know, really talented, but if things go south quickly, could you see them adapting to a similar game plan and, and just trying to torch the Chiefs secondary? Yeah, I think they would have to, but um, you know they obviously don't want that to happen. One thing Kyle Shanahan's offense does a lot is utilize play action. And, and obviously if they get in a big hole and they're down three touchdowns in the first half, play action isn't going to be very effective. Um, so they're going to want to keep it close just so they can utilize play action and, and get their tight ends involved. Um, you know, with all that play action, what they love to do is have multiple tight ends on the field and, and their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, who's also a pretty good pass catcher. Um, they like to, you know, set things up starting with the running game and, and then build the foundation of their passing game off of that. So obviously their goal is to not fall in a big hole, but they do want to stay balanced offensively because of what the running game does for the passing game. But that being said, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan loves to throw the ball. And, and last year they, they threw the ball at, I think, a 60 or 65% clip, and that was one of the highest, highest rates in the league. So um, I, I wouldn't expect that to change a whole lot differently, but I will say they definitely want to keep play action as a part of the game plan. All right, well, we've covered just about everything. You had one prediction earlier about Patrick Mahomes' touchdown passes, so now let's go ahead and, and give, I don't know, your prediction for the game and, and how you think the score is going to get that way. Um, I haven't totally thought about it. I guess the question is whether or not the Chiefs get back to 40 points. I'll say, I'll say 38-24. The Chiefs have another explosive uh, offensive performance. Patrick Mahomes has another good day. 
but probably not six touchdown passes. Maybe he'll have four touchdown passes and, and then Kareem Hunt punches one in. Um, but I just don't know. You know, the 49ers are a young team. They're banged up on defense. Uh, the Chiefs are the hottest team in the league right now. I don't know how San Francisco can go into Kansas City in their home opener and and escape with a win. If they did, it, it would be it would be huge for them, just given the way the Chiefs are playing. But um, I think the 49ers are just too banged up on defense right now, and I think the Chiefs are, are just too explosive. Yeah, I, I just jotted down a couple different scores, and now I'm trying to figure out which one I want to pick. But I think I'm going to go Chiefs 40, 39ers 32 somewhere in that range. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't know that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw that many touchdowns again, but um, I, I think that the Chiefs are going to be juiced up to be back at home. But their defense is still really iffy, and so I think it's going to end up being another shootout, which, I mean, I've gotten two weeks in a row, two pretty much two shootouts, so I'm I'm ready for a season of that. I covered OU before this. I'm ready for that Big 12 offense uh and big 12 lack of defense um so yeah I, I feel very much at home covering this team uh well chris thank you so much for your time i appreciate you calling in from california and uh we'll see you in kansas city later this week hope you get a lot of barbecue um a lot of whatever else you find in kansas city i'm sure the food will all be great mm-hmm. thank you very much thanks for having me and uh yeah i've been told to try oklahoma I've, I've never been to Kansas City before, so I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I would do Oklahoma Joe's and uh, uh, Q39. Sounds uh, great. It's also really good, so I highly recommend that. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.